Welcome to this episode of the podcast, Guess What You're Gonna Hate. I'm Janine. And I'm Josh Whitehead. And this is a podcast about exposing someone to the very worst, and sometimes best, but mostly worst pop culture of the 2000s. Now, you guys might notice something different, and that different <laughs> is that we don't have Kate, but we do have Josh Whitehead. Kate's out of town, and Josh so graciously agreed to be a guest on our show and introduce me to another terrible movie to add to my repertoire. Now, Josh, you're the host of a podcast called On the Front Porch with us. Would you like to tell our audience a little bit more about your podcast? Sure. Uh, so my name is Josh Whitehead, as uh, Janine was so kind to mention. <laughs> I host a podcast with my brother, Tony. We do a show called On the Front Porch with us, an unofficial Disney podcast. And it is about Disney movies and our fascination and love for them. Uh, like a lot of people our age, uh, millennials and, and maybe a little bit older and even a little bit younger, I think, Disney movies played a big part in our lives growing up. And so now that we're a little bit older and we continue to watch these things, it's uh, it's kind of funny to go back and watch these movies and see these incredible artwork um, in, in movies like Sword in the Stone. You look back, there's incredible art. You you look back at Hercules and there's this really weird thing that you never noticed before. Or And I say those ones because those are the ones that people remember. But, you know, there are odd ones, too, that some people have never seen. We recently did an episode on Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It was a very strange episode because no one had ever heard of it. And neither myself or my brother had ever seen it. So oh. it's a it's a really great show, and I'm, I'm really happy to be doing it. Go check it out. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about how you can find it later. I actually listened to the Black Cauldron episode, and yeah. something that Kate and I uh, say pretty regularly is when we watch something that we remember enjoying before, you have to keep the nostalgia glasses firmly on so that you don't, uh, you know, address any of these glaring issues. But I, I say Black Cauldron is something that really, like, you can try and cling <laughs> to those nostalgia goggles as much as you want, but it's not going to do no. much good. It just really we, we tore that one apart. <laughs> yeah, that one was... That one was a fun one. So I assume to keep on point, you are going to suggest some Disney movies for me to watch. Is that right? I am. I actually have two choices for you. And uh, I know that that's sort of usually the case is that you have something to choose between. I've got two for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them is actually not quite in the 2000s. One of them is 1998. That's okay. We'll accept it. Okay. You're forgiven this time. Okay. It's sort of in the <laughs> same uh, genre, though. It's sort of you can tell yeah. that it's. It's in that time period. Uh, the first one that I have is Brink, 1998. Okay. Uh, you may remember it. It's a Disney Channel original movie about a skater, a downhill skater. Huh. It is pretty great, and it was one of my favorites growing up. But I watched it recently, and it was not good at all. <laughs> the, the other that I have for you is Sky High, 2005, also a Disney Channel original movie. Oh, my God. I love Sky High. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty great. It's so good. And uh, yeah, like all-star cast in that one as well. Really great team going for that one. You know, typically when I hear that there's two movies and one I've already seen before, I usually go for the one I haven't seen. But I have to say I'm very tempted to rewatch Sky High because it's a, it's a pretty known uh, fact at this point that I was an incredibly nerdy, uh, cringy teenager. <laughs> and so as a cringy, nerdy teenager would do in the 2000s, I wrote fan fiction. And one of those such fandoms that I wrote for was Sky High. 
<laughs> and I would write these awful self-insert um, sky-high fan fictions that I have scrubbed from the internet. <laughs> so I uh, feel like there's a lot of cringe potential in sky-high that would really just take me back to being a 2000s teenager uh, because it's just really like, I mean, for those of you who don't know what the sky-high movie is about, do you want to give like kind of like a brief rundown of the premise of sky-high? Yeah, so basically the movie is about this kid who is a the son of a great superhero and he is sort of trying to live up to his father's name and he is like a lot of other supers going to this high school, Sky High. Shocker, it's a high school. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot like these other teens that are like living up to the names of these great superheroes in the generation before them and they're going to school together and there's like children of supervillains and it, it's just an all-around really great cringe-worthy movie from 2005 yeah. and i think that it's going to be a lot of fun yeah i don't know much about brink but i did i usually i go to the image search to kind of like look at posters or whatever right and i do recognize that like there's this popular image like reaction image that was posted around that's like whatever dudes let's blade yeah. so i think that's <laughs> Whatever, bruh, enough talking. Let's play. Yeah, that one is <laughs> so, that one is rough. Uh man, this is a tough choice. These are both very good choices. And <laughs> see the problem here that I've got is ninety-eight, not technically in the two thousands, and two thousand five, I've seen Sky High, so but Sky High was just so good. It's got Kurt Russell in it. And <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to have to go with Sky High. That okay. has so much cringy rewatch potential, and I have been avoiding it for so long, <laughs> namely because of that deep embarrassment and shame, rightful embarrassment and shame oh, that yeah. I have from those fan fiction writing years. So I definitely think that's what we're going to go for. Okay. That's very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And stay tuned to learn a little bit more about Josh's podcast, and then we'll dive right into the movie. Hi, I'm Tony Pascal. And I'm Josh Whitehead. And we are a podcast called On the Front Porch with Us, an unofficial Disney podcast. We talk about all of your favorite Disney references, like magic pigs, prejudice in animal communities, inexplicably long rope, hamsters with superpowers, and leprechaun horse tornadoes. You can find us on the internet, where podcasts are usually found. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Front Porch Disney. Good luck! Okay, and we are back. We just watched Sky High, watched and <laughs> suffered. <laughs> Before we really dive into about like, you know, our thoughts in the movie, what we typically do is give a little summary of the movie. So if you haven't seen Sky High, I can't say I recommend watching it, <laughs> but <laughs> Here's a little rundown of what's going on. So the basic premise that we talked about before is that there is a high school for children of superheroes, and typically the children of superheroes also have superpowers. So our main character is Will Stronghold, who is the son of these two superheroes that are like widely renowned, named the Commander Jetstream. and Jetstream. Yes. And the commander's powers that he has super strength and jet stream can fly. And she's also got training in martial right. arts. So that's kind of his background. He's basically destined to be the wonder kid, but he does not have his powers yet. So he's very anxious about attending Sky High. And he's basically lying to his dad to pretend that he has superpowers. There's this 
little cute bit where his dad walks into his room and will quickly puts a bunch of weights on the bar that he's lifting to pretend like he's and been doing like, it no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his dad says something like, oh, getting a little workout in? He goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, I, I see. That's nice. Uh, low weight, high reps, right? And he's like, but there's like 200 pounds on the weight bar. So... <laughs> His dad does not know that he has not developed powers yet. He goes on the bus to attend school where he meets his best friend, Layla, who very obviously has a crush on right. him, but he doesn't notice. And her powers are not immediately uh, revealed, but essentially she has the power to yeah. manipulate plants. And so, of course, she wears green because... Because she's poison ivy. Not? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> basically the good version of poison ivy. They get on the bus, and Ron Wilson is the name of the bus driver. He's very excited to be the bus driver, and he even has business cards that say his name, which is why you you have to know who Ron Wilson is. The bus, actually, at one point, once they pick up all the superheroes, goes on this unmarked road and then takes off into the sky, because Sky High is literally sky high. It floats in the sky. Who would sky. imagine that it was a floating uh, high school? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, very much in keeping with, like, secret superhero yeah. bases and such. And it's constantly moving, so the kids can't get, like, targeted by supervillains. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, no foreshadowing but... <laughs> there. So they arrive on campus, and of course, like any high school movie, as soon as the kids right. get off the bus, they get bullied. Which, I don't know, like, I went to a private high school, so maybe things are different. This is obviously not a private superhero school. I don't think you have enough superheroes to have private <laughs> and public schools. But I never had bullies waiting for me as soon as I got off the bus. But it seems like that's an established thing in high school movies. So, like any other high school, there's two bullies, but of course they have superpowers, and one is named Speed, and he's like this big guy who can uh, run really fast, obviously, because his name is Speed. And the other one's named Lash, for reasons unknown, except maybe it's like elastic, because he can, uh, he has like a hyper-elastic body. Yeah, I think it's his arms. Him. He uses his arms like whips, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so th those are those two, and that's how we're introduced to them, and they are definitely bullies. I mean, that's li really their only motivation throughout this whole movie is that they're bullies. They have to go to this thing, like, superhero placement. Basically, what they do is the kids are all supposed to show off their powers in front of all the other kids, so everybody knows where everybody else stands, and then they're sorted into either heroes or sidekicks. So there's, like, a couple of cute little montages, like, the different powers, you know, like... At one point, this girl turns into her power. She can turn into a ball and the coach kicks her and says, <laughs> side kick. That was kind of cute. There's one guy who can turn into like a giant rock person. So he's a hero, obviously. And then there's a guy who can just melt. So turns he gets into a put in a sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. He, he literally just turns into a puddle. <laughs> so. <laughs> and yeah, so they all get split into different things. And uh, Will is, of course, slated to become a superhero but because of his pedigree but unfortunately he doesn't have his powers and like when they're trying to figure out what powers is the coach literally has a button that's just meant for dropping cars yeah. on students just, like who's to say that there's that many kids that have uh, super strength that's a little crazy to me yeah not only that, but he's also got, like, this uh, panel on the bottom of the gym floor that can fling students <laughs> into the air. And um, I guess, like, 
all these superheroes, it's not like in, you know, the X-Men where only certain people can like withstand terrible like injuries and things like that. Pretty much if you're a superhero, you can withstand anything because this kid who has no powers to speak of gets flung into the yeah. wall. I, I will say the, the, the best superpower out of this whole montage, there's a girl named Magenta and she has the ability, her, her actual superpower is the ability <laughs> to turn into a regular guinea pig. Just a plain old guinea pig. Yep. Nothing special about it. Just a guinea pig. Well, I will say that there is something, but it's got a purple well, yeah. streak of hair. That's that's a little <laughs> bit special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, she obviously gets slated as a sidekick and Will's friend Layla uh, refuses to show off her powers. She doesn't believe in using it just to use it because she's basically manipulating plants and she's a hippie. So she gets thrown into sidekick as well. They have this like cute little montage of like different classes they learn in sidekick school which is taught by the commander's former sidekick named Mr. Boy. American Boy <laughs> and whose powers are not revealed yeah his name is Mr. Boy and like the only power I've seen that he has is that he can change into his tight little uh sidekick yeah I'm not sure what he does quickly. so they have like the little montage of sidekick classes, like learning how to use utility belts. There's one that's really funny. It's like English for hero support. And it's holy blank, <laughs> blank man. <laughs> uh, which I like that. There are some very cute moments in this film, like definitely like nods to uh, well, especially culture, especially uh, DC culture, which is funny because yes. Marvel is owned by Disney. That only happened more recently. This came out in 2005, and so that hadn't happened yet. But there's a lot of nods to DC in this movie. But I think also in like the mid-2000s, that was very much more like a DC-dominated sure. world than it is now. Like all the, super, the great superhero movies now are all Marvel, but back then you had more DC heroes, I think, that yeah. were kind of at the forefront. It was right as like all the Batman stuff was happening. Yeah. Will goes through these classes, all those kind of things. He, you know, goes through the typical pains of high school because they want to make it known that even though, you know, kids are superheroes, they're still teenagers. So they're still mean to each other and they're bullies and whatever. And a lot of stuff happens. It's kind of hard to get into all of it. But basically, when Will comes home, the commander is so proud of him. It's like, oh, tell me all about being a hero. And he lies to his dad and says, you know, it's great. Meanwhile, he's seen that the commander and Jetstream, whenever they go fight supervillains, they get souvenirs. They go and fight this giant robot. And he takes a souvenir from the robot's chest and puts it in his secret sanctum, which is basically the superhero <laughs> man cave. So it's like he, you know, there's a secret door to it and he goes down to the basement and there's all of his trophies and he takes his son down there because he's so proud of him. What he doesn't know is that the trophy he got from the giant robot is actually a secret spy cam from this uh, supervillain revealed later to be and her royal weird Kane. jester friend. Yes. The, these scenes of royal pain and the jester friend, whose name I found out later Stitches. is called Stitches. Yeah. So they both kind of look like. Yeah.
Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that as well. Her, especially um, the the Royal Pains like outfit yes. reminded me a lot of like a oh, definitely a villain from Power Rangers. Yeah, on display in that room as well is pretty much every uh, souvenir he's ever taken, including a weapon called the Pacifier, which he took from Royal Pain, but he has no clue what it does. And this is obviously a Chekhov's <laughs> gun. Uh, so <laughs> later on, Will continues to settle in the sky high, makes friends with the other sidekicks. Basically, the friend group consists of Magenta, the guinea pig shapeshifter, Zack, <laughs> who can glow in the dark, Ethan, who melts, and um, I think that's that's it. Oh, and then, of course, Layla, yeah, Layla's who there. controls plants. And Will, whose powers have not been revealed yet. So basically, he goes in the cafeteria, and they all sit down. And, you know, the kids are settling into their cliques or whatever. And he sees this guy behind uh, their table, like, glaring daggers at him. Obviously, this guy's, like, kind of slated to look... Like, he's got the stereotype kind of looking like a supervillain. Because he's very angry looking and dressed in all black and leather and stuff like that. And his name is Warren Peace. Peace. (laughs) <laughs> oh god and his super villain father had been imprisoned by the commander so obviously he hates will the bully with the long arms lash teases will and like trips him and his food falls on warren so of course they have a big fight and warren peace uh is like he can throw fireballs he's a pyrokinetic student they have this huge fight basically will during this fight suddenly gets his super strength powers impressing uh, the most beautiful girl in school, Gwen Grayson, who is a uh, technopath, which means she can control machines with her minds. And they have a very, like, what seems at first a very forced romance, because, like, early when when he first saw her, like, there was, like, that, you know, romance track that was playing over, which I actually had to Google, because it's basically, like, the quintessential romance song that plays like when yeah. they first see each other and it plays in every single scene they have <laughs> together and i literally googled romance song ba 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 which actually got me the name of the song the name of the song is true by spandau ballet oh, thank goodness. you google for literally thinking of everything because i had no other way to identify that, that song Except for maybe reading the credits, but I was not watching this movie any longer than I had to. So, anyway, so it's that's why the romance felt so forced, because they were, like, playing up all these things. But it actually does uh, have a, a reward later, so let's move on in this plot. Some more high school stuff happens. Um, Will gets put into heroes instead, so his sidekicks, friends feel abandoned. And Will tries to make it up to his best friend, Layla, by saying, hey, let's meet for dinner at the Paper Lantern Chinese restaurant. Of course, he forgets and instead goes hangs out with Gwen because he's a jerk. There is this amazing scene where Layla is sitting at the Paper Lantern and um, she's very sad. She's so sad she even wilted the flower at her table. And guess who is the waiter at it's the War Paper Lantern? It's War and Lantern? Peace. It's War and Peace, and he is so chill. Like, the guy who's been 100% ready to fight at all times, other in all his other scenes, is, like, really chill outside of school. He's, like, got his hair back and a little, in a little ponytail, and he's like, hey, so, boyfriend trouble, huh? And they, like, just, like, chill and talk to each other, and he, like, dishes romance advice. Which, again, this is obviously why Teenage Me was so obsessed with War and Peace, because he is such a very strange, very yeah. lovable character. 
but he, trapped he's in incredibly office. wise for his age too. Like he he yeah. gives advice to everyone that comes into this this Chinese restaurant. Uh, he, he like you could just sit down and he's there. He's ready to listen. Yeah, yeah, and he's very like. Not only does he give advice, he's also like very smooth with Layla and like transitions straight into like um after giving her heavy advice, like makes a joke about uh the fortune cookies, like and your lucky numbers are and reads them off. He's like, I can definitely. When I was watching this movie, there were several times I had to stop because I was like, I am just delving too much into teenage cringe time and this was one of them because i just couldn't withstand all these feelings i had of remembering the giant crush i had on war and peace as a teenager that's fair (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah and he still holds up as a good character in my opinion (laughs) so anyway there's more uh, you know love drama stuff like that and of course they're all getting ready for the homecoming dance Gwen even basically pressures Will into having the homecoming committee over to the house that same night that he was standing up Layla. And a big party happens, and what he doesn't know is when he takes Gwen into the Super Sanctum, Speed steals something from the Super Sanctum. So it's not revealed what immediately. But that does happen. And Layla comes to the house because after getting that advice from Warren, she's like ready to confess her love to Will. Grayson like corners her and says like, Will hates you. You're annoying. Get out of here. And Will suddenly grows a spine at that point. Like once he finds out what happens and says, oh yeah, like you may be hot, but my best friend's my best friend and like kicks her out and gets everybody out of the house. Well, it's actually because his parents come home. Yeah. And but like, they kick it's everybody still, out of the like, house. A really a nice moment of clarity there. For Will, I think he's like, yeah. yeah, no, you're dumped. And she's like, nobody dumps yeah. me. And he's like, well, sorry, that's the way it goes. Yeah, it was a very rare moment of clarity for a yeah. lovesick teenager. Gwen and, Le- and Will were supposed to go to the homecoming dance together, but now they're not. And Layla actually <laughs> convinces Warren to be her homecoming date to try and get Will jealous. Be- and it's very yeah. cute. Uh, Lots of cute I really, moments I like there. this whole thing with Warren. Like, she sits down at, at Warren's table and he's like, I'm sorry, what is going on here? And then a bunch of other people sit down with them and he's <laughs> like, I don't, I can't do this. Uh, no, we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> but he still stays at the table and he actually says, who else here needs a date to homecoming? And one of them, like, raises his hand. It's it's so funny. Um, I love Warren Peace. He's, uh, protect Warren piece 2k18 um let's, he deserves better uh, and uh anyway so cute little high school moments um will basically he's at home moping at the homecoming dance layla and warren actually go together and warren actually wears a tux it's very cute will's at home moping he's looking through his father's old yearbook and he sees a student who looks like gwen grayson whoa uh, he believes that the student is Royal Payne and that Gwen is actually her daughter. So he rushes to the dance because it's not really clear why he thinks the dance needs protected, except for he sees that the pacifier, Royal Payne's um, weapon, is missing. So I guess his reasoning is that Gwen's mom is going to attack the homecoming dance. I don't know I don't why know. the homecoming dance would be his priority, though. Maybe it's to yeah, find his parents real. to tell them, like, hey, guys, something terrible is happening. Yeah, because his parents are at the homecoming dance, too, uh, under the guise of accepting an award for being, like, best superheroes ever. 
and they literally are like the only competent superheroes shown. <laughs> like everybody else is like got goofy superpowers, but they're like legitimate heroes. So at the dance party, you know, the setup for the award party is happening, and Will actually gets to sky high with the help of Ron yeah. Wilson, the bus driver. Ron Wilson to the rescue. <laughs> Yeah, Ron Wilson to the rescue. There's like this moment where Will says, okay, if I'm not back in 10 minutes, and Ron Wilson goes, go in there and get you. I got it. And he goes, no, you go get help. Because Ron Wilson has no superpowers. He's just very excited <laughs> to be here. And uh, so Will goes in, and at the same moment, Gwen reveals that he she is actually royal pain. Uh... Oh, no. So what had happened is that during her previous uh, battle with the commander, her gun, the pacifier, backfired on her. And the pacifier, what it does is it turns its target into an infant. So she turned into a baby, and basically her sidekick, Stitcher, raises her to be a supervillain again. Um, And it's very weird uh, dynamic. It's very uncomfortable. Where it's like, even uh, Stitcher's very over the top. Uh, He's played by Jim Rash. Okay. So. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Oh, do you not know who Jim Rash is? The name is familiar to me. What else is he in? Have you ever watched Community? Oh, okay. He's the dean. Yeah, he's kind of got this like. He's he's really good at like acting up on all that stuff, and actually like he's so over the top that even Royal Payne kind of like rolls her eyes at some of his antics. But anyway, so she's waited 17 years for her revenge, and her big revenge is that she, along with the help of the other popular kids, Speed, Lash, and Penny, a girl who can basically clone herself, um, they take over the school and use the pacifier to turn the faculty and students into infants because apparently she wants to raise all yeah. of them as supervillains. It's a very dubious plan. Um, <laughs> okay, but um, of course, that's not going to happen. The sidekicks actually manage to escape because Warren, none of the other kids or superheroes use any of their powers to escape. They just try and keep attacking Royal Pain, but Warren um, like gets rid of a grate so the kids can escape out into the hall. Big old confrontation happens. The, of course, the sidekicks win. They demonstrate their heroism. They actually manage to save the school from Royal Payne's sabotage to turn off the anti-gravity drive, which keeps the school floating. Uh, Will discovers that he has his mom's powers of flight after Royal Payne throws him off the edge of the school grounds. And uh, he prevents the campus from falling by using his super strength and his flying ability, but also the sidekicks, like, get the power back on so it's the combination of the two and uh, Gwen and her henchmen are defeated and arrested the faculty and students are returned to their proper ages because there is one teacher who's named Dr. Medulla um, and he's got like a big head like Megamind there's like this very uncomfortable like CGI like moment where like they basically project Megamind's or M- Mr. Medulla's face onto a baby and it talks and I really did not like yeah. that moment. I was like this is really weird. Um Yeah, um but of course he manages to figure out how to reverse the effects of the pacifier. So since Gwyn is no longer an option for Will, Will suddenly realizes that he loves Layla, and they kiss, which, uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, a voiceover at the end uh, reveals that they became a couple, he and Warren became best friends, and that the bus driver, Ron Wilson, our favorite character, gained superhuman hum- powers after falling into a vat of toxic waste, becoming a superhero. Naturally. And that's Sky High. 
It was a movie. It happened. I mean, as hard as it was for me to watch this movie, I think there was uh, some pretty good use of, like, plot in it. Like, some pretty good use of plot devices. Like, I mean, the Chekhov's gun paid off. You know, as much as I was cringing about Gwen's forced romance with Will, like, she became integral to the plot and was, yeah, you know, basically plot twist, the villain. So that was nice. I mean... I will say that I really hate that Will and Layla ended up together at the end, even though it was obvious that was going to happen. So Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I kind of wish that it would have ended up um, either with nobody getting together, but it's high school. Yeah. If somebody had to get together, I kind of wish that it was Layla oh, yeah. and Warren. Because Warren, like, basically Layla becomes his little voice of, uh, you know, morality and t- starts turning him into a better person. So, you know, yeah. that was cute. It was a It was a very cute dynamic as opposed to just oh, hey, I've been ignoring you for so long and you've been in love with me, so, okay, now I'll kiss you. Yeah. Because nobody else, the girl I wanted to kiss isn't here anymore. Okay. It was um a little unnecessary, I think. I will say the other thing that I really like about this movie is just an all-star cast, with the exception of, like, oh, yes. the main character. Will, I didn't care for as an actor. But, like, you know, Layla is played by, uh, she also does Emma Frost in The Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy who voices Mr. Medulla is also the voice of Pleakley in Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> so whenever he talked, I couldn't help but think of Pleakley. That's like all I could see. <laughs> and of course, Kurt Russell is Will's dad. Yeah. Who, and that's great. Um, I saw also that uh, Linda Carter was in it. Um, I don't remember who Linda Car- uh, who she played. Oh. Um, oh, she played Principal Powers, the prince. Oh, uh, so the principal of Sky High, yes, Principal Powers. I know, I know. <laughs> All the Principal na- Powers. <laughs> All the names in this movie are very much in keeping with like you know superhero names. Like they're all yeah. like freaking War and Peace. Okay, <laughs> War and Peace. Ugh. I thought it was funny too. There at the end, Principal Powers. She puts all of the the bad guys into a, a detention room where no powers can be used. And she's like, I can't deal with you guys. I'm not Wonder Woman. <laughs> and it's sort of like but a... <laughs> it's like a little thing at the end. Just like a nice little uh, over-the-top shout-out to DC. <laughs> and plus, of course, you know, Linda Carter did play Wonder Woman. Yeah. So. That's a, a little... A little <laughs> obvious for that one yeah (laughs) um it's a it's a very cute movie and like i said there are some actual like good uses of plot in here like for example um you guys know how like a foil what a foil is like as a uh, as a way uh, as a story mechanic right right like a foil is basically two characters or two or more characters who mirror each other in different ways and whose stories can both be explored in different ways because of their similarities so of course um there's gwen and layla uh the two main female um, love interests because gwen's powers are derived from technology and Layla's are derived from nature. And Gwen is an overachiever, and Layla doesn't want to achieve because she believes that the sidekick hero system is corrupt. Rightfully so, because it definitely led to Gwen being a supervillain. Yeah. Because in her first bout through high school, she um, was basically put as a sidekick because there was no technology in the 80s worth uh, manipulating. 
Right. So uh, Gwen's a senior, Layla's a freshman, and of course they both like the same guys, and they both have serious problems with Sky High's system. And while Layla resists nonviolently, like basically protesting, um, Gwen decides to just uh, shut the whole thing down and make Sky High plummet to Earth. So um, there's two different ways to deal with the stresses of high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing about this whole um, hero sidekick dichotomy that's going on is that like from the very beginning in those sidekick classes they uh, mr boy says like you can't do anything without your hero's permission like you can't just choose to attack because that's what you think is best you have to like wait till your hero tells you hey you do this while i do this and uh it's it's clear by the end of this movie that the the sidekicks acting doing using their powers to to act in this moment of they have to to actually do something they don't they don't have a choice if they don't do something at this point the school is going to fall out of the sky literally and they they do it they they basically use all their powers even zach the guy who glows finds something useful to do um magenta who the one who can turn to a guinea pig of course the only way to access the anti-gravity room is through a little tunnel the size of a rat it's kind of funny because, like, Zach uh, watches her and goes, ah, look at those cute little legs go. And then later they end up together, which, like, okay, so, wait, now you guys like each other after seeing her as a little guinea pig? <laughs> All right. Um, and yeah. even the guy who melts, like, literally his only power is to melt. He even manages to overpower um, Lash, the elastic bully, by uh, basically they go into the bat, like, he runs into the bathroom. Lash chases after him. And Lash, like, is looking for him, like, busting into the stalls, and he hears a, like, a glub from the toilet, and he goes, what? Really? He bends over, and then, of course, um, Zach is up there, like, waiting, and pushes his head down, and gives him a swirly. Yeah. They all found their way to use their powers for good. So, the question at the end of the film then remains, did they get rid of the sidekick hero sorting system? Because there's a lot of benefits for the system, in that, of course, like, you can't train them the same way because, I mean, if there's a giant robot attacking the city, a guinea pig is not going to be as useful as the guy who can turn into a big rock monster. That's just, you know, how those things go. Yeah. I mean, so you still have to consider, like, how you're going to divide your resources and train different students differently. But I feel like in that same vein, you could still have superheroes and sidekicks, but allow sidekicks to like have their own autonomy like before mr boy explains that you don't even get to pick your own names or your costumes or anything like that when you graduate heroes pick you right so i mean they hopefully changed that because actually i did a little bit of digging and they're actually working on a sequel for sky high oh god in 2016 they started working on a sequel but originally this movie was supposed to be four movies with each year, each movie being one year of Will's high school. Oh my and god. just like Harry Potter, it was supposed to end with like a big, you know, villain battle at the end, and they all overcome, and blah blah blah. So, yeah, they were going to explore this universe more, but it didn't happen. And of course, now that there's this huge superhero movie craze, they're bringing this movie back up. But right. 2016, it was two years ago, and I haven't heard anything else about it since, so, you know, I... who knows? I don't even know what I would do. I think <laughs> I I have faith that Disney at this point where they're at right now can do something useful with it. But I don't know if if they had done four in a row back then, I I don't think they would have gotten any money out of it. 
Yeah. You know, it's actually kind of interesting that Disney uh, pursued this movie in the first place because they did another superhero movie. I don't I don't know if you remember Up Up in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 2000s uh, Disney Channel original movie. And it was not very good. <laughs> and it's basically, it has a very similar beginning premise in that it's about a boy from a family of superheroes who has no superpowers of his own. So the only thing I really remembered about that movie and the way I found it was that um, uh, the superhero weakness, so like, you know, a Superman's kryptonite for superheroes in this universe, this movie is aluminum foil. Yeah, and so the way I I was like I can't. There was another Disney movie about superheroes, right? I just googled super, uh, superheroes weak to aluminum foil and <laughs> found this movie. So yeah, the movie it's it's not very good. I mean, it's a Disney Channel original movie, you know, made just for the TV. It's it's not great. Well, I I think that the reason that one came out before uh, Sky High did. Yes, two thousand. I think the reason I had so much trouble with this one at the time was that. Um, up, up and away has um, the the main characters are all African American, mm-hmm. and this one I felt like was just a recreation of that, but for white people. Yeah, and I thought that was a little messed up. So I had trouble with this one at the time because I yeah. was like, that doesn't really seem cool. Yeah, Disney. I can definitely see that because it was, as I said, I mean, it's basically like a a family and uh, in up, up and away, and it really just focuses on them. So, but you're right. Like, there's like. Li- I guess um, the people of color in Sky High are all, like, basically the, the sidekicks. Yeah. And it's just like any, uh, basically, you know, main character cast where they, you've got, like, one black kid and one Asian kid, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, like, and, of course, Magenta, who is the Asian girl in this cast, she has that very stereotypical um, appearance of every, like, edgy Asian girl in a film, which is where she's got one streak of color in their hair. Yeah. You know, that's like pretty much an established trope at this point. Yeah. So it's very, of course, up, up and away. It it was like, I don't really remember a lot about it, but I do remember it was kind of nice because like, even though he has no superpowers, he still is useful, you know, whereas in this one, it's like, oh no, he had to get his superpowers. Otherwise he couldn't do anything. Even though like the whole point of Sky High is supposed to be, even if you're not as strong as other people, you can still save the day. Well, and and the thing is like, when he discovers that it's possible he might never get superpowers, he they, he's compared to, to Ron Wilson, the bus driver, because Ron Wilson is the child of two superheroes, mm-hmm. uh, but he never got any powers. So he's like, when when the, the school nurse or whoever tells him, like, you may never get superpowers because this has happened before with Ron Wilson, he's like kind of upset. He's like, I don't want to be like Ron Wilson. And at one point, a little bit later, before he actually gets superpowers, he's, like, defending Ron Wilson. He's saying, Uh you know, don't, guys, don't pick on Ron Wilson. He's a great guy, and he's just doing his part. But ultimately, like, after he does get superpowers, he kind of looks down on Ron Wilson like everyone else does. I think what we need to take from this movie is that we need a Ron Wilson movie. (laughs) Yes, I would pay to watch a movie about Ron Wilson. I would pay good money for a Ron Wilson movie. But also in that same vein, like you're talking about, like Ron Wilson's basically treated as like a joke throughout the movie, even though like at the end of the movie, like this guy is a normal human for all, you know, 
purposes. And he like takes on the um, Stitches, the henchman, um, and like fights him while while Stitches is trying to get all the baby superheroes into the bus to leave. Yeah, like he's ready to protect those kids. Like he's a good person. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh yeah, and he also got superhero powers. But like, why? Why did he need to get superhero powers? It like. The, the the moral of this movie is shot down as soon as it happens. <laughs> like, yeah, it just it doesn't commit to its message. It's just kind of like it plays on that cuteness factor, you know. It's little nods to superhero culture. I I wish that this movie had had stayed that way for Ron Wilson at the end. That it yes. this this movie is about Ron Wilson bus driver's big break. Yeah, and he's like. It's like a Paul Blart mall cop kind of situation. <laughs> it really That's is. That's what I imagine. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have some qualms with Royal Payne's plan. Because, so, Royal Payne's whole plan is that she wants to turn all of the superheroes into babies and then raise them as supervillains. But it becomes clear that Royal Payne remembers her life from before. Right. Because she remembers being a high school student. She remembers that's her motivation. I mean, there's maybe the chance that Stitches, like, told her what happened, you know? But, like, no. Like, it's clear that she remembers being picked on and things like that and remembers hating being a sidekick and wants her revenge. So wouldn't that just mean that as soon as all of those kids were old enough, they would turn on her? I mean, that's my thing. And the other thing is that she, like, says, I didn't go through puberty twice for this. Like, she obviously remembers. You're right. Yes. I think that that's a good point. I think that that's one of those continuity errors that we see. I think the other one, the big plot hole that I have, is when, after she turns all of the teachers and adults into babies, she's, like, trying to buckle them into these little seats, (laughs) and she doesn't understand how to do it. And Stitches is, like, trying to help her, like, no, 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 you gotta, like, click it. You gotta make sure it clicks. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like a really weird scene that just sort of it's... pulls you out of what's going on. Yeah, because it's like in the middle of all like the action of the end. And that's what I'm telling like basically this movie, its commitment to gags is higher than its commitment to like an overall morality tale. Yeah. Which is why it suffers, because I think there's some good like actual use of plot in here. Like the, you know, like Gwen becoming the supervillain, like that is actually like a good twist and things like that. But they basically would rather throw that stuff away for like a gag. So it doesn't really say anything useful. Yeah. Looked up a little bit more about like how the movie was made. And something that I thought was interesting is that uh, director Mike Mitchell said that Sky High functions on two premises. One, the adults are all insane. And two, the girls are smarter than the boys. Sure. Yeah. So basically, like, all the adults are portrayed, like, as characters, which is true. Like, Mr. Boy, the sidekick, like, he runs off to the principal, like, the first sign of the tr- of trouble, like, when the kids are fighting. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Coach Boomer, like, is very over the top when he's splitting people into superhero and sidekicks. Yeah. And the the adults are, use- are useless, which is great for teenagers watching this film, because teenagers, that's all they want to hear is that adults are useless. And the girls being smarter than the boys, like, Gwen is an incredibly intelligent technopath, and, you know, Layla, like, knows, basically, she's able to take the bullies by surprise, because they think she doesn't have any powers, and then she just, like, has these vines come out of nowhere and uh, tie them all up, so that's pretty great. Um, But, yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting, this this movie is basically like a girl power flick. Yeah. 
it's I think that it's it's up there for those like Disney Channel style girl movies comparable to like Cheetah Girls in terms of girl power. Uh yeah. I I will say there's another big plot hole for me is the fact that when uh when the villain is trying to like do that buckling of those seats, right? It's mm-hmm. it's clear to me that she has no idea how to care for a single baby, <laughs> let alone like two hundred babies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if she's so intelligent, she should have found a way instead of turning them into infants, like turning them into like I don't know preteens or something like that, where like they rely on her, but they're not gonna, you know, she's not gonna have to like deal deal with all their stuff. Like at one point, another thing that you mentioned, like kind of draws you out of the action, is when. After the he- villains are disposed of, you know, um, Warren um, is supposed to pick up Mr. Medulla and take him to the lab to so he can reverse engineer all this stuff. And Mr. Medulla goes, but regrettably, I have made boom boom. It's like, <laughs> uh, OK. <laughs> it's, it's funny because he's a baby. Yeah. Did you get it? You Did get you get it? that he's a baby? <laughs> Did you get that babies poop? I don't know if you guys know this, but babies poop. I get so, it. I totally get it. Yeah. So I, this movie, like, um, it was definitely difficult for me to watch because of my own cringe of this. Um, I just want to let you guys know I have scrubbed all remnants of this fan fiction from the face of the earth. Oh no! But it was one of the first things I ever deleted from my fan fiction account. Oh man! And it, um, but the title remains. Uh, the title I found it. It was called War and Peace and Love. <laughs> So, oh, <laughs> I'll give you that. That's that's all you get to know about oh, <laughs> not my my War and Peace self insert fan fiction. Ooh. Oh man, I wish yeah. I could have read that. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me assure you, you did not want to read that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I think uh, that's pretty much all you can say about Sky High. Um, you can watch if if you like things that make fun of superheroes you want some like cute little family entertainment it's definitely not the worst movie but it is very long yeah like the movie kind of drags on um and like i said it it really just has more commitment to gags than it does to um actual plot and of course also uh it basically wants to kind of do wink winks at the audience with its high its all-star cast like um kurt russell is in it linda carter's in it um, Bruce Campbell, who plays yeah. Ash Williams from The Evil Dead, and uh, Cloris Leachman is in it, who is um, was in Young Frankenstein. Like they definitely like want to play up on all that stuff. So if you are kind of okay for a movie that definitely cares more about the meta than like its actual own plot, then you can watch it. But yeah, yeah. Typically, at the end of all of our episodes, I don't really know why we started this, but <laughs> Kate and I like to basically encourage our our listeners wink wink not actually encouraging because i'm not going to be held blame for anything that you guys do uh <laughs> we come up with some sort of crime based on the movie for our listeners to do and i was wondering if you had a suggestion for that uh i was thinking turn your friend into a baby that's a very good one and that was going to be exactly my suggestion so i think we're pretty safe on that one too because i don't think any of our listeners are gonna be able to do that so if you find a way then good on you <laughs> yeah if you find a way turn your friend into a baby and then raise it to be a supervillain. <laughs> good luck with that though because they might make boom boom do you get it do you get yeah. it did you get the babies. babies do that <laughs> 
Okay, well, thanks for listening to this episode of Guess What You're Gonna Hate. You can find us on Facebook at Guess What You're Gonna Hate. You can find us on Twitter at Hate Podcast. And you can find our website, hatepodcast.com, to read all of the notes on the movie. Every um, week after the movie episodes are aired, I publish the notes that I took on the movie. So I really recommend reading these because there's a lot of thoughts about my cringe and fan fiction in the notes for Sky High. So be on the lookout for that. <laughs> and uh, of course, be sure to check out our good friend Josh's podcast as well on the front porch with us. Um, is there anything else you want to include? Uh, you can find us on any place that you get podcasts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Front Porch Disney. And we're coming up here on our season two finale. Uh, it's, I think it's May 2nd is our season two finale. So we've only got so like three episodes left. Yeah. And of course, I'll also you can also find links to those shows on the show notes for this episode. So be sure to check them out and give him a round of applause for being such an awesome guest. Yay! Okay, well, we'll see you guys next time. And thank you so much for being a guest this week, Josh. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, bye.